the breakthrough is coming out of your breakup. It is a gold mine of information. If you're really hurting, switch the energy around and go, okay, what's that gold mine? I want to find that gold. Hi guys, we're your hosts, Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adults, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends, we hope you're all doing well. This week we are deep diving into breakups, which is very selfishly an important subject for me right now because I am fresh out of a breakup and just trying to navigate all the feels. It is not selfish at all. I mean, this is the the purpose of this podcast is to teach us how to adult and get through all of the things. So it's true. Totally, totally fair. And if anyone else has been struggling from a breakup, just know you're not alone. A study that we saw from last year showed a quarter of Canadians between the ages of 18 and 24 split up during the pandemic, which is wild. And 5 million Canadians in total have been going through a breakup. So if you are newly single, don't lose hope because there is someone out there for you. That's a like way higher number than I expected that I half know. of Canadians are single because sometimes it feels like no one else is. So that's... No. Huh. There's there's someone out there, friends. And I also feel like it's probably just been hard to experience a breakup right now, especially during the pandemic, because so much of the normal stuff that you would normally do to get over a breakup, like spend time with your friends, go out, like, I don't know, participate in any of your hobbies. You can't really do. And it's just kind of hard to find the joy out there. Yeah, 100 percent. That's I feel like. All the movie moments that you have after a breakup, like the montage of the like literally with friends yeah. and going to bars <laughs> and like doing your hobbies and like going Aww. to the gym, that just all hasn't really been happening in Canada. Yeah. I mean, there's hope now. I do feel more hope, but up until now, it's been pretty fucking bleak. So I really feel for anyone out there who's been trying to like live their best lives uh, and hasn't been able to. But there's lots in this episode on like the self work that you can do in the meantime. So mm-hmm. definitely keep listening because this whole getting over it part has just been way harder as of late. Also, an interesting stat that I heard from an expert that kind of brought me some comfort because I like to know what to expect from situations. <laughs> and this is not a one size fits all, but it's it's generally that it takes six to eight weeks to get over the intensity of a breakup. Oh, so that wow. doesn't mean after two months you're like magically better. But it just means that even if you're still grieving, that like my life is ending, I don't want to get out of bed, I feel like I'm dying feeling, there's there's a cap on it. After six to eight weeks, it will start to fade and you can start to feel a bit more like yourself. You kind of get over that the hardest hump. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The worst of the the worst hump is over. So. <laughs> I was gonna make a humping joke, but I I couldn't I couldn't find it. The best way to get over <laughs> someone they say is under someone. Not sure yet. <laughs> so it's just kind of nice to know the timelines that you might be working with. But everyone has a totally different process for dealing with a breakup, and we talk about this in the episode. But that can also really change with the type of breakup it is. So whether Like whether you initiated it or whether you got dumped, whether it was a very heated traumatic experience, if there was betrayal or if your futures just weren't aligned. And the latter was the case for me. We just, you know, didn't want the same things. And I feel like I finally understand what Gwyneth Paltrow was talking about with her whole like conscious uncoupling from her husband and everyone. (laughs) It was like a huge cultural eye roll when she said that. But I'm like, no, no, that makes sense. This was a conscious uncoupling and I get it now. And it's, I don't know, it's nice to not be in like a super dramatic situation for 
once. Although I'm sure it's probably way easier to get over someone when something dramatic has happened or if they've done something to really hurt you versus just like choosing you know the acceptance of yeah yeah yeah. but before we dive in with today's expert there are just two big pieces of advice that really helped guide me through the breakup that I've been going through that I really wanted to share and the first one is this idea of sunk cost fallacy that I think really holds people back and that's our basically our tendency to follow through with something if we have already invested time or effort into it even if it's not right for us. And that often sounds like, well, I've already put like five years into them or 10 years into them, so we should just keep Mm. going or something I've been feeling is like, I gave this the best years of my life. I'm only getting older and I get it. I mean, personally, starting over at 31 feels daunting as fuck. It's not a great feeling. But just because you've been doing something for a long time doesn't mean you should keep doing it. And I keep just having to challenge that idea in my head that I can't keep saying the best years of my life are gone in a relationship that's over because the best years could still be ahead of me if I choose to live them as my best years. They're always still ahead of you. So fuck the sunk cost fallacy and just do what's best for you regardless of time. To quote Frank Sinatra, the best is yet to come. And you are totally right. The best is yet to come do, 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 be fine. This is turning into a musical podcast. Just Maybe that's your future. <laughs> Jillian Berner, the musical. No one, no one I'd be, would subscribe I'd be, to I'd be front row, but that's cool. <laughs> Thanks, Jude. And that leads us well into the second big lesson. And that's to quote my two favorites, who I will just quote till the day I die, Glennon Doyle and Brene Brown, respectively. We can do hard things and we must choose courage over comfort. Yay. And the fear of the unknown it really often keeps us stuck in things for longer than it Mm -hmm. should it stops us from making decisions it stops us from taking leaps but if you're going through this right now just know that you can make a brave choice and the unknown is scary but on the other side of that choice you will find peace and even if you're listening right now and like this breakup isn't your choice and you're like well i didn't choose shit it just happened to me Hmm. you can still choose you You can start choosing you right now and live every day choosing you because as painful as these breakups are and as as horrible as these feelings are, it's an opportunity to relearn how to love yourself on your own. And that is something I desperately needed to do. And it's something that I wasn't really investing much time into when I could rely on the love of someone else to fill me up. And now I have to rely on me. So it's and it's super cliche and cheesy, but truly the biggest and strongest relationship you're ever going to have is the one with yourself. And I think we realize that more that now that we're older and we are in our 30s, even in our late 20s, like Mm -hmm. we seek so much validation from our friends and our partners and our family. But really, at the end of the day, you have to love yourself before you can ever excel in anything else in, in your life. So I love what you're it's saying. True. You got to choose yourself and you're choosing you. And we're all here on this journey with you to support you. And I love you. Thanks, dude. But we are not the experts. So we called in Lindsay Ellison. Lindsay is a relationship coach who helps people navigate their breakup or divorce and also specializes in helping people break free from narcissistic abuse. She is the author of the best-selling book, Magic Words, How to Get What You Want from a Narcissist. And you can find Lindsay on her popular podcast, Unbreakable You, Break Up Without Being Broken. She is going to throw down the advice you didn't know you needed. A hundred percent. Teach us how to get through a breakup, Lindsay. Let's start at step one for any listeners who are trying to decide whether or not they should be staying in a relationship or leave. What's your advice on whether or not they should make that decision? 
there's actually a lot of indicators of a breakup, right? That it's coming. I mean, there's the obvious ones of just not being happy. And if you're constantly talking about your relationship with your friends, talking about it with your family, if it's interfering with the other domains in your life, friendships, your work, your self-care. These are all indicators that the, the relationship is unhealthy and toxic. The other thing too, is that if you are in a relationship with someone and you're starting to keep secrets from them, and these are not, I call them covert versus overt, right? So if you have covert secrets with someone and they're dumb secrets, like you're kind of yeah. like, why did I not just share that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, going out with your girlfriend, but he doesn't like your girlfriend. Mm. So then instead of saying you went, you were having drinks with your girlfriend, you were running errands instead. Here's a great example. When I was married years ago and I was in a really unhealthy relationship with a narcissist, he was very, very controlling of what I spent and my finances. So I'd go to Whole Foods, but he hated me going to Whole Foods and I would hide the bags from Whole Foods and put them in a regular store oh bag. Oh my gosh. And I would take labels off. And I didn't even know I was really doing that. I was just doing that to avoid conflict. Right. So oh, no. we typically tell secrets to avoid conflict. That's not healthy. You shouldn't have to hold information from a partner. The other question is how much is this relationship interfering with your authentic self? Who were you before the relationship? And are you still that person in the relationship? The things that you used to really enjoy doing, you're not doing anymore. Your friends may not like this person. And so you are finding yourself isolating yourself a little bit more. But the underlying fear is just, okay, if I break up with this person, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be sad. And I don't want to deal with that grief. The other indicator is all these indicators, right? Um, is how much intensity is going on in the relationship. If there's a lot of drama in the relationship intensity, that's your partner's trauma, right? Fear, anxiety, hasn't learned how to have healthy boundaries around conversations and feelings and emotions or with you, or if two people are having, have past trauma, right? Boom. It's like the, the minute someone's triggered in the relationship, it turns into these intense fights. Mm -hmm. And so often with intensity, the sign of love addiction. And unfortunately, our media and culture and movies glaze over this issue of the fighting and then the great sex. And then yeah. just the, I mean, passion and, and it's like, oh God, when it's good, it's good. But man, and when it's bad, it's bad. And then the more bad it is, the more, the better it can be. So that's what we call, you know, relationship intensity and a healthy relationship is around moderation mm -hmm. and typically healthy relationships can appear a little boring. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is um, what are the boundaries like in your relationship? That's a really good telltale check-in. There's various kinds of boundaries. There's internal, there's external. One is fighting. When someone is angry or triggered and angry in the relationship, a boundary violation is then starting to accuse that person of something, mm. right? Rather than checking in with their emotions. It's also that person expecting their partner to take care and fix how they feel big one. Yeah. Control, right? There's a lot of control of you can't go do this. I don't want you to do this. Obsessive behavior, checking one's phone, boundary violations. Doesn't matter what he might be doing. You you do not have a right to to snoop into anybody's phone. If you're thinking that you should, then let's look at that problem first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than the actual phone or the text. Sometimes we can use our partners as our armchair therapists 
So a relationship, we're meant to be together and to support each other, but we are not meant to be our, they're not really meant to be our other half, right? We're, we're intact. We should always be intact. I oh, have a yeah. saying of yeah. in a relationship, um, a healthy relationship is one plus one equals two ones. Mm. You're still whole Yeah. versus one plus one equals two, right? I feel like that's something that's been so misconstrued and like, you know, current society and in media and in movies and it's you're always looking for your other half but like that's oh, yeah. not I found my healthy. person yeah. I want to vomit when I hear <laughs> like when I watch The Bachelorette or like oh, God. like oh he's still my person no you're your person right nope no one can be you your person but you it's true and I feel like one of the biggest signs for me that it was time to move out of my relationship was how I was acting in it like I think I can deal with a lot of mistakes or I can deal with a lot from other people but the minute I start to feel like I'm not being my best self and like I'm acting in ways that are not aligned with who I want to be that's like a huge indicator that something's wrong and I don't like who I'm being and therefore like something needs to change and if the relationship isn't going to change then like I need to get out of it because I don't ever want to compromise who I am and I think that's a good indicator people can check in on like do I like who I'm being do I like who I'm showing up as Mm because if you don't that's a huge, huge problem. You don't want to lose yourself and be a worse version of yourself and stay in something just out of fear of being alone. Right. So let's jump into what happens right after you do go through a breakup, whether, whether you've done the breaking up or you've been broken up with. What are like the first three things that someone should do to start healing and getting into a better mindset to just move through the suffering into like a better state? What would you recommend? So for one thing, we need to check in with the the level of grief that we're in, the level of emotion, okay? So where you are missing days of work, you're not eating, okay? Those are all signs of something bigger is going on, okay? So if you are in that moderate, you know, like this sucks, that's good. That's a good sign. And so just to me, that's allowing time to pass and then go back to some of the things that you used to do that you weren't doing and get busy with something, get busy with a project, right? Yeah. So just stay busy is, is a good thing. Yeah, like you tapping fill that void a bit. Yeah. And tapping back into your hobbies that you were probably doing before the relationship. Yeah. Right. But if you're, you're really, really upset, you can't get over him. That's what's called withdrawal right? You're having withdrawal from this person. Our brain starts to have distorted thinking. Okay. What is withdrawal? That's from addiction. So, so often, and I use the words love addiction quite a bit in my practice. Everyone's like, well, I'm not, I'm not a love addict. Well, you you are, if you're struggling with withdrawal. (laughs) Okay. And you, your brain just got trained to get dopamine and joy from this one and only person. Without this person, if you are not able to provide that dopamine and serotonin elsewhere, you have been experiencing love addiction. And so alcoholics have a drinking problem, codependence and love addiction. Love addicts have a thinking problem. We get distorted thinking. We start to think that this person's not that bad. We distort our thoughts of, I can't live without him. I'll never date again. We will make these all or nothing statements. I'll never do that again. So we got to find a replacement. So ways to like fill the loneliness and like fill those voids. Like, cause I think that's what keeps people from 
breaking up to start with is that they're they just can't deal with that huge void in their life that that will remain and the unknown and the fear of that and the fear of being alone with themselves and it's hard like it fucking sucks but I think all of awful yeah the loneliness is really really hard but then you start to find pieces of yourself coming back the more you fill it with with the pieces of who you used to be but it's hard to when you are codependent which honestly I, I think rings true to me and the love addiction really does ring true to me say many women are yeah you think well like I can't have a Friday night on my own because I was always with them on a Friday night or I was always on the phone with them mm-hmm. on a Friday night and like now what the hell am I gonna do and so you you forget that you can be your own person without them and still be happy because you've linked all your happiness to being with this person right you're actually focusing on the wrong thing we're focusing on the symptom of the problem the problem lies within us the relationship the breakup is the symptom when we focus on the symptom and not the problem, that's the definition of insanity because it'll go nowhere. So then we feel insane. Yeah. So just right? crazy. Great. Yeah, I feel, feel overall <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. So when we're, we're, we're missing them so much and, and we're in just so much pain, the breakthrough is coming out of your breakup. Right. It is a gold mine of information. If you're really hurting, switch the energy around and go, okay, what's that gold mine? I want to find that gold. That gold mine is all of this kind of like genetic information or the DNA of your emotions. And you can go back and think, okay, where did I learn to put up with bullshit? Hmm. What's the narrative I was raised? What I call are, what are my I am nots? Where did that come? Those I am not started way before you met this guy. Yeah. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of being heard. I'm not, I'm not good enough for another guy. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. Yeah. So that's the first thing you do. Write down your I am nots. Where did this come from? What are you believing in yourself? One quick thing that I was wondering about, because I have experienced tumultuous, horrible breaks up, breakups that were a result of, you know, cheating and all, you know, shitty things. And then the breakup I'm going through right now was like super amicable and really like a mature but heartbreaking decision because our futures weren't aligned. And I'm wondering Good. if the type of breakup that you're going through, does that affect like your recovery or your, your process? Is there a different aftermath or fallout if it was really really dramatic versus if it was very pure and very like (laughs) mature because both like every breakup feels different but are there patterns there yeah I'm very open about this and in my work I've been married twice and I've I've recently divorced my second husband like two years ago it was very very amicable the first husband was just a narcissist abusive I had two little kids with him that was a very like that was like me escaping jail with my second husband, it was, it was amicable. We still talk. We're friends. We co-parent our dog. He comes over. I mean, Aww. it's as breakups go, you can't get any better, yeah. but I got to tell you, it was harder. Hmm. Yeah. It was harder because it's so much easier to hate an asshole. It is. Right. It truly <laughs> is. You, you don't even really mourn them. You just, I mean, for the better or worse, you just fucking hate them when they've yeah. treated you poorly. But when you actually like really yeah. do, do still love them, but you know it's what you need to do for yourself and to choose the future that you want, that's hard. Way to, harder. It's, it's very messy. It's less messy to yes. just like not like someone anymore or to just to be yep. betrayed by them. It's very messy to choose like 
the unknown of the future over the certainty that you had with someone. So it's mm-hmm. both are hard. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of self-worth. We'll get into this in, in a few minutes, but there, I'm sure there's a lot of self-worth issues that come up with like being betrayed and, and infidelity. And so there's no easy path forward, but I think it is really interesting how there's a different recovery process. There really, really is. And I think that it can be longer and a little bit messier because you could easily get back together, right? You know, you can have what I call little accidents. Oops, slept with him, you know? (laughs) And then, oh God, there's nothing better than, we talked about this before we hit the record button of just that that kind of breakup sex. Passion is there. (laughs) The passion. And then you think maybe we should, you know, explore this. And then a week later, you're fighting about the same things over the stupid same things, right? So this amicable breakup, for me, this is what I had to do. I created a journal just around him and around us. And I had to write down all the things that just didn't work because we call, we have amnesia. We have like a love amnesia. We forget. So anytime I would feel my brain slipping into that kind of distorted thinking of like, is it really, you start to negotiate, is it really so bad? I'd have to go back to that list. And I got to tell you, I, I, there was a while I had to do that every day. And it's, you know, it doesn't, it's not a list of what makes him an asshole. I mean, there is a, there are those lists too, but it was just like, why it didn't work. And then the other thing is conversely, write down the good, hmm. write down the good. What was good about it? And what would you like to preserve and have gratitude for? That's you nice. know, thank you for showing me recovery. And so hold that gratitude and then take the stuff you didn't like, and then let that go and just really let it go and say, I am not making that mistake again. Or one step further of why did I allow that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then start thinking about what is it that you want in a relationship, right? Don't focus so much on that. What was wrong, right? That's why I said, let that part go because what's the manifestation of you get to what you focus on yes. thoughts become things. So if totally. you're constantly thinking what a bad person, this, you know, how shitty things were, yeah. right? I, I like to say is place the order, place the order with the universe. What do you want? What are the good things you had? I call it the filtered gratitude technique. Filter the gratitude from that relationship, place the order of this is what I want. And then really keep your heart open and just wait for it to show up. Oh, Lindsay, you're making me feel so much better because I, I like unknowingly did these things because I just, it was in survival mode. I didn't know how to get through this. Yeah. And like on the plane ride home from the last time that I went to see him and, and knew leaving that like this had to end. I wearing just side note wearing a mask on a plane when you're bawling the whole time is like a different kind of hell I was like a mop was on my face I've done it (laughs) terrible but I just like got out my phone and I was like I I'm the type of person that looks at the past through rose-colored glasses and I'm I'm like an eternal optimist a Pollyannish person I was like in a week I will convince myself that like everything that's not okay is okay because I love him so much Mm -hmm. and because there's so much good that's still there. So I have to write down right now every single thing that isn't aligned with me, everything that's wrong, even stupid things that like maybe I could have gotten over before and maybe don't matter in the long run. I need to write them all down because otherwise I'm going to forget how I feel. I'm going to forget all the reasons right now why I know that I need to make this choice and I'm going to continue, you know, like I'd probably have these moments for years where you're like, should I keep doing this? But, oh, but it's so good. And it's cumulative. And then you finally reach that breaking point where you're like, we're not aligned. And now I have to remember Mm -hmm. all the little reasons why. And so I wrote those all down. And then the following week, I made a manifestation list of 
everything that I want in a person and I took all the best parts of our relationship there you go like, you did this it this is what you showed me this is how much I loved about us and then all the things that were you know missing that I want like I want someone who wants to be a father and I want someone who wants all these things and made that list and it gave me some hope where where there was mm. none that that could be out there and so I'm just so glad that this is a good thing because it was a bit instinctual and yeah you know, makes sense Okay, so for those who have experienced cheating or lying in their past relationship, how do you get over those trust issues in your future relationships? So if you can't get over it, it's an indication of unresolved abandonment, unresolved betrayal, et cetera. So abandonment, as a ch- when, we're, when we are abandoned as children, it does not have to be an actual physical abandonment. It's just our needs were not met. Our physical needs our emotional needs, our financial needs, you know, I mean, if you grew up poor, you had to go fend for yourself. There's a lot of, Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, my mother died when I was six and she was in a car accident and I was with her. Oh my God. Obvious abandonment. That was terrible, right? It's tragic. It's so obvious that I was in therapy over it, right? What I didn't know was this kind of other abandonment with my father. He was grieving, you know, he was 34 years old when my mom died, he has two little kids and he emotionally checked out probably forever. I mean, I always said, have said like he died when my mom died, there was a part of him that just disappeared. So I had this emotional abandonment from my father. And then I had all these nannies in and out of my life who kept coming and going based on whatever was going on. So I kept getting reabandoned. Right. So the act of being cheated on or betrayed is a form of abandonment. It's being blindsided. It's not, it's the shock of like, oh my God. And so that act of, you know, the shock and the, and, and being blindsided, if you're struggling and you really can't move on, it's an indication of something else from the past. And this trust issue, right? I mean, again, remember we talked about your functional accountable adult, the functional you would know, okay, well, this guy's been lying to me from day one. He already had these red flags set up. Of course he cheated on me. I didn't see it. Why didn't I see it? Okay, he's an asshole. I'm so glad he's not in my life. Yeah, it sucks, but F him. That's the normal response we should be having. Right. Not right? applying that to like future people. Because yeah. then you're right. thinking like, log- if you're thinking logically, you're like, this past person did that. That doesn't mean the next person is going to do it. If it's really affecting your trust from any other human being out there, and there's a ton of nice guys out there, Right. That means that you are so afraid to go into a new relationship because your esteem is predicated on whether another person's in your life or not, right? Yeah, you're not giving yourself your own self-worth. Yeah, so it's like, I can't handle a breakup. I can't handle it. I can't handle this guy. If this guy cheats on me, I, I don't even know what I'm gonna do. That's a red flag you should not be dating. Yeah, mm. you've got some you need to heal from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and go look at the this your, your inherent worth and who you are. And by the way, anyone who cheats when they're really harming their partner and lying and there's betrayal, that person's very wounded. Yeah. (laughs) Right. He's, he's struggling or she too, but they're not being truthful with themselves and what they want. And they, a serial cheater or someone who's just such a dick, right. Just like a narcissist, right. Those guys are in really bad shape. You know, they've got a lot of wounded self from their childhood. 
So you don't want to be with someone like that, right? Yeah, that's that's 100% true. And there's usually red flags along the way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not victim blaming. And I actually am a big believer. I always tell people this. I feel like society for a long time has tried to peg cheating on, well, there must have been big issues in the relationship or they must not have been like getting it at home and all that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I call bullshit because yeah. I truly believe most cheating stems from a lack of worth in the person who's going out and cheating and yeah. they need to go yep. and get more validation from other people they don't feel good enough for the person i'm sorry jay-z did not feel good enough for beyonce yeah so so he went out he is not better than her and it's not like he wasn't didn't have a queen at home i'm projecting all of this all of this onto jay-z i'm so sorry but like truly that's just a classic example of someone who did not feel good enough and they went out to get validation and they have their own wounds And I'm very sick of people trying to blame it on like the person at home because a normal response, even if there were issues at home, would be to work through them, not to like run away and go screw someone else. Yeah. So I think that's a big thing that can also help a lot of women and men who've been cheated on not blame it on themselves and not feel like there's something wrong with them because there's not there's something wrong with the person who didn't deal with their shit and went and cheated. I'm I'm with you. You said it. I won't even add to it. (laughs) You said it all. Another thing that's been tricky for me, and I think a lot of other people, is when when triggers come up that remind you of your relationship. Maybe it's a song. Maybe it's a oh my god, the photos on my iPhone that keep coming up. And oh. like, oh, this memories? day two years ago, yeah. I'm like, fuck, thanks for ruining oh my, my god, day. I like, <laughs> it's a lot of tears have ensued Aww. from these just triggers that just kind of like derail you. How can we? work through those when we're caught off guard to not be sent spiraling? I love this question so much. So this is the process in how to manage those triggers. So, okay. So first you need to create what I call a trigger mitigation plan. Before you're triggered, you write down what all the triggers are. Your phone, social media, and potential potential triggers, yeah. things that you know that are going to like screw your head up, mm-hmm. right? Running into a sister or mm. people, friends of friends, or oh, I heard, you know, you know, whatever those things where you're going to get caught off guard. Yeah. Okay. So write down your triggers. Then next to each one, what are you making up about it? What are your thoughts? Make it from an I am statement. So when I see photos of him. That's the trigger. What I'm making up about that is I miss him and things were really, really good. Hmm. Brainstorm on all of the thoughts. What I'm making up about that was, is he was really awesome. When I see photos of him, what I'm making up about that is, is I'm never going to find that love again. Hmm. Yeah. Or you see a happy memory in in a photo and then you're like, wow, that was such a good day. I don't even know if I'm ever going to have... Right. A day like that, again, I've been having like a lot of that, like, wow, we're never going to go out on like a big boat ride on the lake again together. And like, then you're, yeah. you're putting all this value on it and how amazing and special it was. Cause now you don't have it. Good point. That's what you're making up, right? So that's the thought distortion. So that's the point of that first step is trying to understand and break down the thought distortion. What I make up about that is then you identify the feeling around it. Okay. So how do I feel about that? Sad, uh, lonely. Put, put some emotions around that. Then now, at, what's my behavior? What's the behavior coming from that? Okay, so I'm getting triggered and the behavior, I could be crying. I could be isolating myself. I could be overeating. I could be drinking. I could be breaking open that pack of cigarettes that I thought I quit two years ago. So write that down. Now you have your trigger map. Then you want to say, okay, the next time that trigger is, 
what is the truth? What is the new thought? What's the thought you want to have? So the trigger is, is when I see photos coming up on my phone, what I think now is that was a really good time. And I can't wait for more of them like that with myself or another person. My thoughts about that is joy, hope, my feelings. I mean, what's my behavior going to be? I'm going to now go for a walk. So your trigger mitigation plan is there. The word mitigation is preventing, right? Preventing the reactions of these triggers. I'm going to try it. I'll report back. (laughs) Yeah, try it. Give it a try. I'm going to try it. It's funny. A lot of this too, I've gone through a couple friend breakups and a lot of this is also really applicable to Mm -hmm. friend breakups I've gone through where I might be triggered by seeing a photo of them and it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad. You get that amnesia and you're like, should I reach out and and go for coffee? And then it's like, no, 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 no. Let's just remember why this happened in the first place. So that's a good point. Very, uh, very applicable. Yeah. I mean, breakups are breakups. I find that girlfriend breakups can be harder than the guy breakups because they were your everything, right? (laughs) So yeah, I think it's the same, the same um, process can apply to that as well. Totally. A big theme through all of this is that for a lot of us, like the grief and the sadness that we feel post breakup is about a lot more than the person that we're losing. I know a lot of shit has been coming up for me that's like unrelated to actually losing my partner. Like a lot of grief Mm -hmm. for my grandma who I lost a few years ago has really been coming to the surface and like I don't know if I was just suppressing it more before or if just the feelings are so similar all of these correlations and these peripheral things are leaking in and then obviously we've been talking about like the stories that we tell ourselves like it can crop up very easily all of these fears will I ever find a person who wants what I want will I ever have someone love me as much as like I'm able to give love to others how can we sift through all of the, I mean, this is a really big question, but how can we sift through all of that shit and, and grow from it and kind of separate out what's not relevant? So for instance, in your, in, in your situation of just this feelings for your grandmother, what's going on is this absence of someone you can trust, um, a caregiver, someone who um, is nurturing. So you're feeling really like this little girl kind of without a compass, without someone to break your fall. And that's probably why she's coming up. It's normal for our partners to become kind of like these pseudo parents, Mm -hmm. you know, like they become our caregivers. And so oftentimes, unfortunately, in my research is that men are very wounded by their mothers and women are very wounded by their fathers does not mean we cannot have a cross wound, right? But a lot of men, I feel like narcissists, especially, I've been a narcissism expert for, for, for many years now. So narcissism codependencies. So narcissists, male narcissists are often very, very wounded by their mother. So they're looking at their partners to become a mother, a mother figure. If we have this I, mother, motherly self, right? Where we identify as a caretaker, the absence of that relationship makes us lose our identity as a caregiver, as a rescuer, as a helper. So without our identity, we're like, oh God, it's just like this feeling of that aloneness and that lack of purpose, mm-hmm. right? So that's when often people go right into another relationship because that's where they get their purpose, okay? Red flag for you, right? We got to fix that. It's a real boundary it's a gray area, right? Because at what point do we support our partners without caretaking? Right, right. Yeah. Right. Where we are 
doing things for them the way a mother would. And they're esteeming us. They're parenting us through a difficulty. So there's a, there's a, a healthy middle there where we support and give our partners, you know, love, joy, and respect but you can't rely on that as the only source. Mm-hmm. Your, your true source is you. You have to work on those things. And again, that's why breakups are so great because it's giving you this new door to sort through that closet of, well, where did I learn this stuff? Mm-hmm. And how am I not going to do that again? And this always is a call. Breakups are typically always a call for self-love. Like, oh shit. Yeah. You, know, you got to I- prioritize <laughs> yourself. And I, I love what you said earlier too about finding that golden nugget or that piece of gold and it's not like a toxic positivity way of looking at a breakup it's true there is that golden nugget in there that lets you do that piece of self-discovery on how this may have happened in the first place and how you can prevent it moving forward and how to just come back to yourself so after a tough breakup or just a series of relationships that don't work out how would you recommend people avoid becoming jaded or cynical about love I have a lot of friends that have this has happened to because it's just so easy to fall back into that like oh I'll never find someone or this is always going to happen I'm just going to be single forever like how do you just kind of avoid that and get back on the horse yeah and stopping a victim yeah. yeah. Oh, Just like love. Like, stop. I mean, that's really what it is. It's like stopping a victim, you know? Oh, love has, is so dangerous. And love is like, oh, all the guys are assholes. Uh, you know, that's being a victim can be very safe, right? Mm-hmm. A victor goes through risks. A, a victor um, ends up coming out on the other side and learns from the pain. But a victim likes to stay put. Jaded and cynical is another word for victim that you have no control over that. It's a mindset of not having control over what happens. Yeah. It takes uh, the onus for off you. of you to yeah. like put yourself out there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's this mindset of everything happens to me versus what's yeah. happening for me and to just stop it. Okay. I'm going to say that to my friend that I'm thinking of right now. I fucking, I fucking love that answer. Thank you. That's really good. Stop being the victim. The world's not out to get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had a mentor once who said, and I had it on my wall. I don't know whatever happened to it, but he said, you have literally two choices in life, be a victor or a victim. If you choose victim, victim always wins. Mm. Yeah. All of the events around you will put you in a place of being the victim. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So make the choice. You know what? Today, I'm no longer going to allow that relationship that broke up or whatever heartbreak to define me anymore. I'm going to learn from that. What did it do for me? I'm going to be coming out stronger and even more love and more passionate. That cynical thing is that that's tells me you have a boundary problem that you've got boundary issues with the notion of relationships my mood has always been so affected by like the person that I'm with, even my friends, but like, especially my partner, if, if something, if their mood is really bad, like I can't separate myself from it. I will then now be like stressed for them or like anxious because they're upset. So I think I have a lot of work before I go into another relationship to do about like making some boundaries and separating myself. So that's called carried emotion, carried energy, carried pain, carried shame, carried emotion. Right. And that is, Codependency 101, right? I need to take that course. <laughs> Again, you you learned as a child, you witnessed mom or dad having a really bad day and 
it was up to you to make it better. Hmm. But it also isn't an overt marching order for you. It's covert, it's subconscious, right? It's energy. So your behavior changed because of someone else's behavior. And so then you made a rule in your head of, I have to be good. I have to be quiet. I can't speak up. Yeah. That's the carried emotion. Okay. So we can, we can completely correct that and say, okay, I am observing someone's behavior. I am going to offer assistance by asking them if they want it. Right. Hmm. So one of the best things you guys could learn in your, in your early relationships is when someone's dumping on you. First question is, would you like feedback on that? Because now you're not taking it in by asking the question, would you like feedback on that? Instantly sets them into a a receiving mode Mm -hmm. and they get to decide where they want to. Yeah. That's really good. That is fire. So one, one last question regarding breakups. So we kind of touched on this with people who might feel jaded after a breakup, but what do you recommend when a breakup has done a number on someone's confidence? Like how do you build that confidence back up when you're out of that relationship? It's having a set of tools. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to build your confidence. It's kind of like if you're starting a business and you don't have a business plan, you're going to have a really low level of confidence of success of success. If you don't have a plan, but if you work with someone and say, okay, I have this business and week one, I'm going to do this. And week two, I'm going to do this. You feel confident because you have a roadmap. Mm-hmm. You have a GPS system of taking you from point A to point B. So if you don't have a system in place, it's getting yourself resources and giving yourself a plan and tools to manage those little falls and building the esteem within, right? And, and figuring out where did you pick up on this notion of other esteem? Yeah. We got to stop doing that. Just do it like we did in the 90s. Like put on a movie and light some candles and put on some Enya and <laughs> hang out. I love that. <laughs> oh my God, I love That's it. That's so good. So one last question we always love to ask our guests is what's one thing that you wish you had been taught in school? Boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. A hundred percent. Think of the word moderation. So especially um, there is, there's no moderation around social media. It's 24 seven. So we don't have moderation around that. And so then we expect to know what everyone's doing 24 seven. It's exhausting on the central nervous system, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, when we have that trigger, there's this activation that happens where it kind of goes. So let's just say we're in a good place, call it the green zone. Then a trigger happens and it's blindsiding us. Let's say we see someone out at a party that we didn't get invited to. Right. So then we get activated we go into this orange zone and then we're supposed to self-regulate and bring us ourselves down. Right. Ah, then we're like, we use logic. We use that technique that I said, okay, what's my thought? You know? Okay. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. But when we get activated into the red zone, Now it's affecting our central nervous system. So we create anxiety, tears, drama, spiraling, intensity, (laughs) spiraling. We get depressed. uh, We shut down. We can disassociate. We have suicidal ideation, right? All of these things can happen. And that's because we never had boundaries around triggers and understanding them. Boundaries, learning that early on would would save a lot of 
trauma with oh, people. Yeah. Yes. Learn about them as much as you can. Yes. Before we let you go, we would love for you to share where everyone can find you and follow you and get all of your amazing advice online. Awesome. Well, I have my website, lindsayellison.com, Instagram, lindsay underscore Ellison. My podcast is Unbreakable You, How to Break Up Without Being Broken. Thanks so much, Lindsay. Thank you for having me, guys. Good luck. We hope this episode helps you get through your tough breakup and inspire you to start putting yourself first and choosing you every day. And because dealing with all those feels is a process, we will leave you with a quote from poet Nikita Gill. Let it hurt, let it bleed, let it heal, and let it go. That's what she said. You got this, friends. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.